listening to My Pocket Psych, the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. Each episode, we look at the topics that can make our working lives difficult and explore how you can take action to improve things. We want to help you move from simply surviving work to thriving at work. My Pocket Psych is brought to you by Work Life Psych, a team of workplace psychologists who are experts in coaching, training, and structured development programs. You can find out more about how we help people grow and develop at work by visiting our website, worklifepsych.com. Hello and welcome to episode 61 of My Pocket Psych, the podcast all about the psychology of the workplace. My Pocket Psych is brought to you by Work Life Psych, a team of accredited and experienced workplace psychologists. I'm Dr. Richard McKinnon, Managing Director of Work Life Psych, and as ever, I'm joined by my co-host Pilar Orti. In this episode, Pilar and I discuss the anxious thoughts and feelings that we can experience as a result of the current pandemic situation. We're recording this in April 2020. But of course, anxious thoughts and feelings might never be far away, so hopefully this content will be evergreen. We've discussed the role of our thinking a lot on this podcast lately. So if you're interested, you could go back to episode 56, where we explored how we can see our thoughts for what they are, not what they say they are. As ever, show notes, resources mentioned, and all our other episodes can be found at worklifepsych.com slash podcast. And you can, of course, get in touch with us with your questions and your comments on Twitter, at mypocketpsych. Or if you want to send us a longer message, there's a contact form on our website. Thanks for listening. Pilar, it's great to be back. How are you? I am well, and it's definitely nice to be talking to you and through you to the listeners. Yes, hello, listeners. I'm not sure when you're listening to this, but it's worthwhile just reminding everyone when we're recording this. Um, it's uh, the 20th of April that we're sitting down to record this. Um, and that's just so you know, whatever we're talking about, it's within the context of what's going on at the moment, uh, April 2020. Um, but you might be listening to this in 2021. Who knows? Who knows? Um, and it is nice to talk with you, Pilar, because it's, it's, um, uh, a reminder of how things were. It's part of our routine, part of our rhythm of working together. And it's not affected by anything, is it? It's just us doing things the way we always do them. Yes, although today I have some creaking noises in my room, which I think are being caused by the wind or something. Uh, but yes, uh, it, oh. it, it is a, it's a familiar, it's a familiar structure. It's, uh, it's with you. So it's a person I know. And it, it is nice to have something that, um, that hasn't changed. And I can see you and raise you on the <laughs> noise front because uh, some gentlemen across the street are ripping up the entire pavement as we record. So listeners, apologies if we're not able to cut out all of the background noise. We'll, we'll do our best. We may pause and do a few edits uh, to make it nice and clear. But anyway, we're, we're going to talk today about um, how to deal with um, anxious thoughts and feelings that might pop up. Um, now, they could pop up any time about anything. The reason we're talking about it today is that lots of the people I'm working with at the moment are reporting feeling a little bit anxious all the way up to feeling very anxious about what's going on in their lives in the context of this uh, global pandemic. So I want to say two things before diving into this. You know, one is it, it's relevant to what's going on now. And um, but if you were to listen to this content in a couple of years from now, when hopefully everything's died down a little bit, it's still relevant 
relevant because of, uh, as I'll explain, the way our minds work. Anxious thoughts and feelings are really never that far away. Um, so hopefully I want to normalize some of that today and, and give you a few insights and, and give you a few pointers um, to other things you can listen to to help build these skills. Um, and I mentioned that, Pilar, we're both working from home. We're both doing the thing that we're really, really used to, but thousands upon thousands of people um, all over the world, actually, are working from home when they've really not done that before. So I wanted to point towards some resources. This podcast episode will will count. Um, resources we've put online on the website, and I'll link to it in the show notes, but it's very easy to find worklifepsych.com slash working from home. And we've put up uh, some uh, internal and external resources covering lots and lots of different things, but it might be a good starting point to to have a look at. Um, and it includes a recording of a webcast I did several weeks ago now about working from home, and I'll be adding to that with, uh, with another webcast very shortly. So there's some working from home resources uh, to share and uh, maybe share with your colleagues or your friends or the people you're working with, because as we said before, PLR, it's not literally working from home, is it? It's trying to work at home while life is happening all around yeah, you. Yeah, and while other people are around you and while nothing is quite the same. And like you mentioned, lots of thoughts that are not usually there around you. So yes, it's um, mm. trying to work while being at home in a crisis. And I thought that was a bit long. So <laughs> <laughs> working from home is the page name, but hopefully everyone will get it when they, when they have a look. And what I would say to listeners is get in touch if there's something that you think should be on that page, something you'd like us to include on the page. You can get in touch via Twitter. It's at mypocketpsych or send us a long message on the contact form online, worklifepsych.com slash contact. And before we talk about anxious thoughts and feelings. I wanted to share a, a tweet I saw this morning. I don't do this that often, but this resonated with me so strongly because it's something we've talked about before. It was from Tom Calvert who um, shared a tweet and I'll, I'll read it verbatim and then you'll understand why it's relevant. He said, I've only recently started to hear the phrase hustle bunnies used to describe people who obsess over remaining highly productive or seeming to, during a crisis, and shame others who are not doing the same. Hustle bunnies. Uh, I had a very visceral reaction to that um, when, I, when I read it, which was, oh, don't be a hustle bunny. Whatever you're doing, don't shame others for not doing all the things that you're doing because we're all adapting to these circumstances in different ways, right? Mm, yeah, and all our contexts are different. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think it's really important to remember that that not, yeah, like you say, that not everyone is reacting the same way, that people's priorities are different also, as they always are, but now even more so. So yeah, I think it's a great tweet. I, I think it really hits home to something. And that's not to say don't share what you're doing and don't share your joy at accomplishing things. It's just don't make other people feel bad that they're not managing to do the same thing. So I still want to see everyone's picture of their cakes and breads, you know, and that you're, you're all built, um, baking at home. But I think it would be fair to say that I will have run out of everything else to do on the planet before I make some bread <laughs> and share a picture of it online. Maybe that's how everyone will know I've been kidnapped <laughs> if I start sending pictures of things I've baked. So anyway, yeah, don't be a hustle bunny. I also want to um, 
mention uh, something I, I do uh, periodically, but I'm doing it more regularly now is to share things I'm grateful for when I'm tweeting. And maybe once a day, maybe once every couple of days, I'm trying to make it a daily habit and, and gratitude, expression, appreciation of this stuff that you're grateful for can, can be can be helpful. And not necessarily just in times like this. And one of the things I mentioned uh, last week was I was grateful for finding out I had a new listener in Spain. And actually, the backstory to that is I found out my father-in-law listens to the podcast, um, which hit two things for me. One, I was kind of surprised and I didn't know why I was surprised. And now I need to understand why anyone in my family isn't listening to the podcast um, because they should be. No. So anyway, Frank, if you're listening to this on your daily walk about town, uh, thank you very much for listening. And uh, hopefully you'll find this one interesting too. Hello, Frank. We've never met. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's famous now. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about um, this topic of anxious thoughts and feelings. Um, and I suppose I'll start by looking at the title, Anxious Thoughts and Feelings. Why not just call this anxiety? And I think that's because a lot of people don't really identify with the word anxiety. Um, we can have everything from occasional anxious thoughts, which will happen to virtually everyone, all the way through to anxiety that maybe a mental health professional would, would say, look, you are experiencing anxiety. There is a clinical uh, label applied to what's going on for you at the moment. And I, I really want to aim this at, at everybody because everyone listening to this will be able to identify with having had some worrying thoughts at some point in time. They're functional. I mean, they, they serve a purpose. Um, thoughts, thoughts and feelings are, are, all serve a purpose to varying degrees. But anxiety really just tells us something's wrong. And unfortunately, in a context like this, where there's so much bad news and there's so much change and so many things we have to adapt to, those anxious thoughts and those feelings can be very loud and they can be doubly difficult because we can feel that there's not a lot we can do about it. Uh, there's, an, there's an awful lot happening to us. And not only that, but the change happening around us is one associated with danger because it's a threat to our well-being, it's a threat to our livelihood, a uh, threat to our freedom of, of movement, you know, if, if that's super important to you. So, you know, an anxious thoughts and feelings, we'll use, use the shorthand anxiety, but we don't mean necessarily something that maybe a, a clinical psychologist or a psychiatrist would say. It's just the general experience of anxiety. And also, in my experience working with with uh, individuals in a in a coaching context um there's there's often a sort of a simplified picture of what anxiety looks like uh sort of nervousness and actually uh, anxiety can manifest in lots of different ways sometimes in surprising ways so i think probably everyone as i said can identify with occasionally having worrying thoughts it might be to do with work uh, it could be predictions of, you know, terrible things happening later in the week about workload or family or the combination of all of that. So very much what's going on inside our minds. Uh, I have those those thoughts. I make those predictions. Pilar, I, I would imagine you have worrying thoughts from time to time as well. All the time. And I, what I like is that they're just thoughts, <laughs> like you were saying, because yeah. uh, anxiety always feels like it's something that's there all the time. But actually what I found is that, at the moment, uh, especially, it's not there all the time, but it does come. And, and it comes sometimes a little bit suddenly. 
um, which mm. is, um, yeah, which is interesting. And it's not a pleasant oh, feeling. No. Right? <laughs> uh, if anxiety was pleasant, then we wouldn't be having this conversation. So it's, it's unpleasant and often, you know, is in our mind. It's, it's like, uh, flashing signs or, or, you know, uh, uh, a reminder that I, I had one. Uh, just yesterday, I was taking some time out to sit on our balcony and enjoy a bit of sun and try and, you know, pretend we weren't in the middle of a pandemic when I had that horrible sinking feeling that I'd forgotten something, uh, something important. And it, I had both the thinking and the behavior and my body and everything responded to this sudden, oh no, I've dropped the ball. And as it turns out, I hadn't. I just picked up my phone, quickly checked some dates and there was no problem at all. But that, yeah, that came out of nowhere mm. from being super relaxed and really quite enjoying the sunshine through to catastrophic thoughts and predictions. So it's one way it, it can appear. Less um, obvious ways Maybe if we saw this in someone else, we may not think they were anxious. One is to be very irritable about what's going on. And that can be a behavioral manifestation, a little bit snappy, uh, a little bit grumpy, maybe, all the way through to being very angry and frustrated about what's going on. And that, that can be a real uh, surprise when you, you peel away the layers and, and actually it's anxious thoughts, anxious feelings, an experience of anxiety. That's the root cause of that irritability and that, that kind of anger directed outwards. Um, ever had that, Pilar? Because I, I could write a book about that, but <laughs> is that something you've ever experienced? Yes. <laughs> yes, and I can think of, mm -hmm. a, of a few instances and... Uh, what it's also making me think is about observing that behavior and being more empathetic towards it when seeing it in in mm -hmm. in, in someone else. Uh, so yeah, I've experienced myself, and sometimes I've needed someone to point it out because I haven't even realized mm. that this behavior had something underneath, especially as you say, if it was directed outwards. Uh, and it's also making me think actually all these things, we, we don't see them in someone else as anxiety or worried thoughts even, uh, mm, but mm. there might be something uh, more. Yeah. And it's something that's very helpful. You've you really hit the nail on the head to help in, interpret other people's behavior as, you know, it's probably worry. And it's taking the form of this irritability. You know, they didn't get out of bed this morning to make everybody's life a misery. Uh, something's going on. And that allows us to build up the empathy and build up a sense of, oh, I wonder what it's like from their perspective. And that means that we're slightly less likely to respond with irritability and frustration in kind. And that, that's rarely helpful, mm. right? So looking at it from another perspective can be, can be really good. Over the last few weeks, I've had um, the experience of going for, for runs. I, I love to run and, you know, we were allowed out once a day to get some exercise. So I really uh, treasure those those moments. And I go out for a run by the river and, of course, you know, various mornings, nearly every morning, I'll encounter people breaking some of the social distancing rules. And I realized I was winding myself mm. up and getting very frustrated and irritable with other people's behavior. And really, my job is to manage my own behavior. And, uh, they, you know, I, the more I thought about it, the more I realized I'm quite anxious about what other people are doing in case it has an impact on me. 
you know, it took me a while to realize. And you know what? It was taking away from the enjoyment of going for a run in the first place. And I was coming home more irritable and stressed than I was when I left. So, you know, that, that anxiety about what other people might do or the consequences of things that, that you can't control. I can really, really identify with mm-hmm. that. I had that, uh, no, I don't want to go too, too long on the, on the one point that you said, but something I noticed that as a, as a person who walks a lot and going to the park and, and some people that are running do get very close. <laughs> and, and I've started, I mm. had to do something because I'm one, I didn't want to shout at them. That would be my, my normal reaction would be to shout at them. Oh, you're too close. But actually from that point of empathy of who knows what they're letting out and why they haven't noticed. So, so now what I do, I put my yeah. arms out in a T shape, which, so you no, know, so ah. I stretch. That's a visual reminder. It means that they will not come near because they're going to go around the, the arm. Uh, so it's, it's a kind of something that helps me to deal with my anxiety about what they're doing without really interfering and going into their headspace, which who knows what's in there. That, that's excellent on several levels. And now I have this amazing image of you running, running around the park like an airplane with your arms out and then people giving you lots of yes. space as a result. Yeah. I think this is a, this is a great opportunity for us all to look at other people and not, not jump to conclusions that we might. There's a lot of one-upmanship and something I reflected on over the last couple of weeks is, you know, here in the UK, it's a country where people love to queue, but people for some reason cannot walk in a single file and people walk two and three abreast when we're supposed to be keeping apart and it that's it, to me that's just a habit that is really hard to beat for people so they're 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 somewhere else in their minds they're thinking about something else they're not thinking about maintaining distance and that's the only way that i can rationalize it you know their minds are somewhere else it's not intentional so the irritability the anger the frustration very easy to come out and, and another manifestation of this can be just to withdraw from that. So the anxiety is, is less, uh, outward behavior that other people can, can, uh, experience and more, uh, a lack of it, you know, withdrawing from, from social situations and not wanting to have those interactions, uh, sometimes maybe based on what might happen if you have those conversations or if you do that work or you're exposed to those situations. And of course, anxiety can, you know, manifest as a very, very busy mind. And managing, and I'm using air quotes here, whatever it is we do to manage anxiety can leave us feeling exhausted. And um, I need to dig out the uh, story, but I heard, and this is not scientific at all, but I heard secondhand a story that uh, Fitbit put out a week or so ago, uh, seeing a spike or an upturn in people's sleeping time in the U.S., Now, my guess would have been people would sleep less when, you know, there's all this stuff going on. But actually, it looks like people are sleeping more. And it may be because anxiety is just making people tired. Um, so I want to dig that out and want to talk about it on a future episode. But to, to feed it back to, to the listeners, fatigue could be a sign that you've spent a day being quite anxious, quite worried, quite uh, caught up in worrying thoughts. So it doesn't have to be a sort of physical nervousness and um, whatever that stereotype might be that you have. And of course, it doesn't have to be a clinical perspective of, you know, anxiety as a condition you're living with. We can all go through these uh, periods of, of anxious thoughts and feelings. And Pilar, as you said, because thoughts 
are just thoughts, they can go away quite quickly as well. Thoughts can be really volatile, a bit like our moods. They can come and go. But what we've talked about previously on the podcast, the perspective of acceptance and commitment theory or the skills of psychological flexibility, we, we can make things worse by trying to do things to these thoughts and feelings, trying to manage them, minimize them or remove them. And that's often where we get into trouble. We uh, get caught up with them or we do things in denial of them or we simply act them out behaviorally. And that's when other people see the irritability or that's when we sort of disappear and we remove ourselves from situations. So what I thought it would be useful to do is quickly run through what we might do as individuals when we have those moments of anxious thoughts and feelings and how we might maybe reframe it for ourselves and, and build those skills. And of course, each of these we've touched on in previous episodes, so we'll signpost those in the show notes. The skills from acceptance and commitment theory or the psychological flexibility skills, um, I, would, I would put them this way. When it comes to feeling anxious thoughts and feelings, the first skill here is to notice what's going on to be aware of the sound of those thoughts or what those images look like and how big and how loud they are, to, to be aware of what we're experiencing inside. And of course, that can be difficult sometimes when we're caught up with, as we've said, people at home, maybe trying to educate their kids, manage their workload, share the space with someone else who's working. Maybe there's a few people all on conference calls at the same time, you know, really, really hectic environment. It can be challenging to notice what's going on inside. We may not be aware of it at all until it spills over and someone gives us feedback. So I might suggest that step one is practicing noticing what's going on inside of me. What am I saying to myself? What does it sound like? There's no interference with it here. There's no trying to stop it. Um, if anything, we're trying to become more aware of it so we can take the next step, which is sort of give it some space. One of the things that um, causes us to um, remove ourselves from helpful action and from being here and now is getting caught up with what's going on inside to try and manipulate it or minimize it. Um, as I was saying to a group, I was running a webinar last week and we came back to that point about, um, you know, did you ever calm down when someone told you to <laughs> calm down when you were furious? You know, it, it just doesn't work that way. So telling ourselves we should relax or we should feel positive or we should think happy thoughts, it doesn't work. And I think we could all agree that at the moment, if you're feeling worried about what's going on in the world, well, there's nothing wrong with that, is there? Because there's a lot of worrying stuff out there. The problem is when that becomes our sole focus and then we don't like the worry. And so we do lots of things to try and get rid of the worry. The skill when it comes to psychological flexibility is to notice it and, and give it some space so it can exist within you. But it's not in the driving seat. How you feel the emotions that are there and the, the the loud thoughts, they're not in the driving seat directing your behavior. They're belong for the ride. You know, they, they exist within you, but they're not you. So as we've mentioned before, I'm, I'm almost sure um, the analogy being when you go out in the rain, you don't become the rain, you get wet. So when you have worrying thoughts, or as we've said before, when your mind gives you worrying thoughts and images, there you have them you don't become them and that's that's one of the key goals here 
And when we're aware of what's going on, and when we're clear on what matters to us, our values, we can use that stuff to help guide what we're going to do next. And I think, Pilar, your examples earlier on were great examples of that. They were demonstrating awareness of other people, awareness of potential consequences, doing something that you felt was the right thing to do in the circumstances with empathy for other people in the park. Mm. I I also have another example of something um, that started to happen was I started to notice I was getting angry sometimes and I started to try to identify what was making me angry. So apart from, of course, knowing that the situation is what it is <laughs> and so it can manifest mm-hmm. itself in different ways. And one thing I did notice was uh, social media. Uh, and so I noticed, I saw, okay, what is it that's making me <gasps> go, Arr! okay, it is this. Is this helping in any way? Is being in social media something necessary? Blah, blah, blah. And then I thought, okay, well, I'm going to stop doing that. So to your third point of noticing, then feeling, you know, giving them space and then the awareness and the and using our values to guide action. Uh, I think that's really important, the last bit, because um, it, it, it really, it helps you to understand what's going on and your context, again, of course, and then to see whether there's anything you can do to change that or not. In this case, I could change my behavior. So um, yeah, that, that, that helped. It 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 is exactly. Excuse me. It is exactly that. Um, what can I do, and what can I control? I can control my responses to this situation, and um, I can do something that's helpful or workable in this situation. So, me wandering around the park shouting at people when I see them breaking what I think are the rules, that's not helping those people. And it's definitely not helping me. It's winding me up. Uh, but noticing that running through the park is not doing great things for me, I, I've taken a decision to avoid running through that park, um, or go on a much, much quieter route. And then, you know, I've noticed I don't encounter all of these people. Um, and I don't, really think about other people at all. In that sense, um, I'm focused on running and looking at my surroundings and enjoying the sunshine. So it's it's um, reminding ourselves what's going on in the here and now. And actually, what can I control? And not our thoughts. And we're controlling behavior here. Um, and focusing on what really matters. And that's where the, the values come in. I wrote a, a blog post a, a while back about how to deal with overwhelm. You know, and that's a word that I'm hearing more and more where people just simply feel overwhelmed by what's going on. And that can be another way of describing our anxiety. I'm just so worried about it all. I can't make a dent in all of this. It's all a bit too much. And in this blog post, which I'll link to, I've simplified this by looking at it through the lens of focus. What is focus uh, and, and how do we bring our focus to bear on different things? And, you know, the first of those things is to focus on the here and now. Absolutely. And then focus on what you can actually control. So not things that may happen in the future or things that other people are doing or things that have happened in the past, but on the other side of the planet. We're coming back to the news point there as well about how much of the rolling news we uh, expose ourselves to. And then focusing on what matters. That's really uh, from a from a values perspective. And something that I've been talking to people more and more about recently is for the pragmatism, focusing on what's possible. A lot of the time, our unhappiness and our anxiety has its root in our focus on what we're not allowed to do anymore. 
And actually, if we spend all our time ruminating over the things that are now forbidden at the moment, that's not going to help us deal with this situation. We'll be caught up in those thoughts. And, you know, that could be, I've seen people on the news complaining they can't go to the hairdresser. It could be, I can't go to the cinema. I can't visit my family on the other side of the country. I can't get on a plane, all of that stuff. But there's lots of things we still can do. You know, well, we can't have a meeting, but we can have a video conference and we can't go to the gym, but we can use YouTube to find a personal trainer, you know, lesson. And we, we can't have a party, but we can all go on FaceTime and, you know, chat that way. So focusing on what's actually possible in a really difficult situation rather than what's been taken away from us uh, can can help shift things in, in that direction. And I think that's something that, and, that we can bear in any kind of change situation also, Richard, yeah. just to take yeah, this a bit broader absolutely. about and also I think it's very important like you're saying if if we are having if we are struggling with letting go especially if we've been forced to make this change by circumstances to name those things also um, like you're saying well mm -hmm. I can't do this but can I do this and and that I think in that way that might that would help me to ease any kind of anxiety and lack uh, and feeling of losing control and not being able to control my destiny is just say, okay, what is it that mm. I can't do? Name it, put it down. And then, like you say, then move on and see the things that I can do instead that are similar, complementary or completely different because we are in a very different context. So that's uh, all that came to mind. You, but you're exactly right. And we, we talked about this when we looked at the skill of diffusion, mm. seeing thoughts for what they are, not what they say they are. One of the ways that we can take the sting out of unwelcome or uh, unhelpful thoughts is to label them as for what they are. Well, that's a prediction. That's a bad memory. That's an unpleasant memory. That's a You know, that's me catastrophizing. Catastrophizing. <laughs> thank you. That's me know. making a mountain out of a molehill. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and rather than seeing them as truths or instructions, we're seeing them as, you know, flotsam and jetsam just floating past us or like clouds in the sky or whatever meta metaphor works for you. But to, to, to label them and actually ask yourself, well, what is it that, you know, I'm worried, but what is it I'm worried about or what is it I'm annoyed about? And, Often when we get to the thing that we're actually annoyed by or worried about, we realize, well, there's nothing I can do about it. And that's actually quite liberating. It's not within my control. What is within my control is what I'm doing in the here and now. And, and actually, you, you know, this notion of um, having empathy or understanding for other people, I mentioned in the blog post as, as patience. You know, if our focus is on understanding ourselves and understanding other people's responses, then we'll be less likely to decide that we understand it and uh, jump to conclusions. So it's the difference between I wonder why they're doing versus I know why they're doing that. And they're a bad person for doing that. So remaining open to different perspectives and um, being inquisitive about other people's reactions and our own. I wonder why I feel that rather than I shouldn't feel this. I must do something to stop me feeling this way. And of course, we might be responding to this in very small uh, behaviors that only someone else might notice. You know, one we've touched on before, I'm, I'm bored, so I go to the fridge. It might be, I feel a bit anxious, so I'm going to have something to eat. Or I feel quite worried, so I'm going to have a drink. Those coping strategies, come back to this other point, pace. 
can we do this for the long game? Can we behave in this way for the following weeks and months and however long this, this lasts? And even putting the coronavirus to one side, if you're coping with anxiety, focuses on eating and drinking and consumption, is it that sustainable for you? And is there something else that you might be able to do instead? So quick recap. Anxiety is something that virtually everyone can identify with. It's not always um, manifesting in a way that's predictable. And it's something that because it's unpleasant, we, we, we end up grappling with it and taking ourselves away from the here and now. And so if we remember that it's not about controlling it, but spotting it as it appears, giving it some space to be, and then deciding how we would prefer to act in the given situation using our values, using what, what really matters. And of course, uh, you know, a crisis can help clarify what really matters. It really brings our priorities to the fore about the stuff that is so important to us in life. So remembering that stuff to help guide us. The question I've been asking people at the end of webinars over the last few weeks to get them thinking about how they're going to behave and how they're going to use these skills of um, effective coping strategies or resilience or psychological flexibility. I ask them, how would you like to look back on yourself when this is all over? How would you like to have dealt with the rubbish hand you've been dealt with? You know, um, what is it you would like to say about yourself when you look back in the years to come? And that does prompt people to think a little bit differently. So we've come to the end uh, of our episode. Um, I was hoping we'd finish it on a higher note than that, but um, hopefully we can <laughs> we can see some positivity there. I think... <laughs> it's completely high, Richard. I think that uh, to to think about how do we want to view ourselves, it helps us. Uh, it helps us go back to everything that you've been talking for a very long while on the show, which is let's go back to who we are, who we want to be, what are our values, and and see whether even in moments when we're not at our best, whether we can just tap into that to help us come out the other side thinking, actually, you know what? I think I dealt with that mm. more or less mm. how Absolutely. I would have liked Absolutely. to. Absolutely. And keeping that in mind, I think, will allow us to sort of live up to those standards where, you know, we're holding for ourselves the values that we want to express more often than not. They're not rules, they're principles. Can I be more like that person that I want to be uh, inside? So it, it's, it's anxiety due to the coronavirus uh, pandemic, but it could be due to anything over the next few years. So hopefully this content will remain uh, useful, uh, a little bit evergreen. Um, we've come to the end of, of another episode. Thank you so much for listening. Um, all the show notes will uh, highlight those resources we've mentioned throughout the previous episodes and the online resources. Uh, Pilar, any, any um, end of episode thoughts or questions from you? No, nothing else. I think I said everything I needed to say. Well, thank you. And I hope the gentlemen across the street haven't come <laughs> through too loudly. Uh, we'll see what we can do about that. Maybe replace it with some thumping bass in the background and we can turn <laughs> this into a music track. Anyway, thanks for bearing with us today. And uh, I hope you're all remaining safe and well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading this episode of My Pocket Psych. To get in touch with questions and feedback, you can tweet us at worklifepsych or leave us a message on the contact form at www.worklifepsych.com contact. Thanks for listening.